G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. Everybody's a lawbreaker. If you believe in the Bible, the Ten Commandments, and the Mosaic Code, you break that law. You believe in the Sermon on the Mount, good for you. You still break that law too. If you're a secular person, even a secular humanist, you've still got your system of right and wrong. Apart from the Bible, you still have your belief on what is right and what is wrong. Guess what? You, you violate your own system of right and wrong. Everybody's a lawbreaker. Today. 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 Today with Jeff Fines. We are taking the gospel to the world. Pastor, apologist, and Bible teacher. One truth that will be delivered in love and compassion, connecting every one person to all that God has promised them. You make me Today. Today. Today with Jeff Vines. Hello and welcome to Today with Jeff Vines. My name is Bill. It's great to have your company. Pastor Jeff is unpacking the gospel of Jesus through Paul's letter to the Romans in this series. Now, you're not okay. I'm not okay. Through this message, we learn that everyone is a lawbreaker. Nobody is perfect. But through Jesus, we are saved. Turn to Romans chapter 2, verse 12, and let's get into this message now with Pastor Jeff. Man, we are in this series that, let me just pause just for a moment. You know, this is heavy stuff, and we're building every week onto something. There'll be this huge crescendo uh, at the end of this series. So you might notice there are some common themes that are occurring because we're talking about the gospel. We're talking about Romans 1 through 3. We're talking about the greatest theological treaties ever written concerning our relationship to God. So turn in your Bibles, if you would, to Romans chapter 2, verse 12, and then, this is important, Colossians chapter 2, verse 11. Romans 2, 12, and then Colossians chapter 2, verse 11. Because we've said all along that what we're after in the series, we want to experience God. We, we want to stop going through the motions. We want to sense the presence of God in our lives. And that's not something that just happens. We've said that God can never love you more than he loves you right now. He can't, but you can experience and know God better and more deeply than you do now. And that is, to some degree, up to your responding to the voice and the call, listening, obeying the Holy Spirit. Remember when we drew that graph and we said, your salvation's going right toward God, but your sanctification line is up and down and it's dependent upon how you're responding to the voice of the Holy Spirit in you. You ignore that, that voice, then it's, it's almost impossible to draw near to God in order that God draws near to you. Now, originally God sought you. You didn't seek him. He's the one that opened your eyes. He's the one that gave you salvation. But on a pragmatic level, if you want to experience and know God, you've got to make some changes in your life. Now, if that's not something you're after, just keep doing what you've always done. 
But if you want to know God and experience God, you've got to change the way you relate. Here, here it is. You've got to change the way you relate to the law of God. Okay, so when it comes to the religious and the irreligious and the law of God, come on now, I'm giving you theology I'm in, in four weekend messages. Okay, I'm trying to give you what we learn in two semesters. Okay, that's the, that's the challenge. So where the law of God is concerned, we're talking about the Ten Commandments, the, the good and evil that's in all of us. Where the, where the irreligious world is concerned, one of the things they don't like about Christianity is, is the way they're asked to relate to the law. When you tell somebody to listen and obey, that is so antithetical to this culture. Nobody's going to tell me what to do, and nobody's going to tell me how to live, right? So when we sit up as pastors or Christ followers, and, and we say, the Bible wants you to live this way, the Bible tells you who you should and should not sleep with. The Bible tells you that you should be humble. The Bible tells you you should turn the other cheek. You hear that thing, man, I don't, I don't want anybody else telling me who I can and cannot sleep with. That's so antithetical to this culture. I want to be free. I want to do what I want to do. And then the Bible tells me how to spend my money. I don't think so. I'll spend my money the way I want to spend my money. And then you tell me that you want me to be humble. You try to be humble in this world, man, it'll run right over you. You understand? So from the irreligious perspective, you start talking about the law of God, there's a big, huge turnoff. And the reason is, is because they've never grown to understand and know that God does not give his law arbitrarily. In the same way a father tells his little children, don't do this or do this, he's not trying to be the big bad cosmic boss. He gives them these parameters because he loves them. Until you get that, you're not going to follow God and you're going to make up your own rules and your own system of morality, right and wrong. Now, from the irreligious point of view, that happens, but there's also a dangerous way for you to relate to the law of God as a religious person. I say, well, I'm not religious, I'm a Christian. Okay. The problem here is that you do like the law, you like the Ten Commandments, you like the Sermon on the Mount, but you live under the illusion that you live under it. You actually think you keep the law. You actually think that you're righteous because you believe the right stuff and you do all the good deeds. You know the difference between good and evil and you live a righteous life. Therefore, people ought to respect you and God ought to give you blessings. You see, both the irreligious and the religious have an improper relationship with the law. Now, it is in that context, I just summarized Romans 1 and 2 for you that Paul writes these words. Now, I'm going to have to stop along the way. We're going to do a lot right here, but follow. This, is when, this is when it really matters. I mean, the whole sermon matters, but we're reading the Bible right now. Romans chapter 2, verse 12. He says, All who sin apart from the law will also perish apart from the law. When Paul is using the law here, he's talking about the Mosaic law, Ten Commandments, the Mosaic Code. So he says, if you sin apart from the law of Moses... You'll also perish apart from the law. Well, wait a minute. Who doesn't have the law of Moses and the Ten Commandments? What he's saying is, if you're somebody that loves the law of God and you try to keep the law of God, that's good. But there's a whole other group of people, even though they don't have the law of Moses, they still have the law of God innately embedded into their hearts. So either way, you have the law, you sin. You don't have the law, you sin. And he says in verse 13, for it is not those who hear the law who are righteous in God's sight. It is those who obey the law who will be declared righteous. Now, when you became a Christian, 
You decided you were not going to relate to God on the basis of law because you learned that if you relate to God on the basis of law, you're going to lose. No man can keep it perfectly. There's no one righteous, no, not one. You chose to relate to God on the basis of grace because you came to the end of yourself and you thought, man, I'm going to need some mercy. However, if you go back into that where you're trying to relate to God on law again, you're going to lose again. In verse 14, he says, indeed, when Gentiles who do not have the law, he's talking about of Moses, the law of Moses, do by nature things required by the law, they are a law for themselves, even though they don't have the law. They show that the requirements of the law are written on their hearts. Their consciousness also bearing witness, their thoughts sometimes accusing them and at other times even defending them. This will take place on the day when God judges people's secrets through Jesus Christ, as my gospel declares. And then he says in verse 23, you who boast in the law, do you dishonor God by breaking the law? That's heavy theology, but here's what he's saying. Everybody's a lawbreaker. If you believe in the Bible, the Ten Commandments, and the Mosaic Code, you break that law. You believe in the Sermon on the Mount, good for you. You still break that law too. If you're a if you're a, in a secular person, even a secular humanist, you've still got your system of right and wrong. Apart from the Bible, you still have your belief on what is right and what is wrong. Guess what? You, you violate your own system of right and wrong. Everybody's a lawbreaker. Everybody. Now, follow me just a moment. Thomas Anthony Harris wrote what is called the epitome of self-help books in the late 60s. He kind of got the ball rolling here. And the name of the book was what? I'm okay, you're okay. And the whole thing was, don't sweat, you're okay, I'm okay, don't worry, just be happy, live your life. It took the world by storm. Basically, he said, we're all okay, we're good. <coughs> Wendy Kiminer, in the 1990s, came along and wrote a book that was a, a, a humorous, devastating critique of, of Harris's book, and she titled her book, I'm Dysfunctional, You're Dysfunctional. You with me? And she shows in her book how narcissistic Harris and society really are. And she said, don't you hear the blood of innocent children crying out? Don't you see what humanity's doing to each other? Are you blind to the genocide and the terrorism and the human trafficking that dominates our world? Don't you see how the rich exploit the poor, how the strong oppress the weak, and the power abuse those without rank or position? How can you, how can you say, I'm okay, you're okay, man? Haven't you seen what's going on out there? So her book was titled, I'm Dysfunctional, You're Dysfunctional. Now, 10 years later, late 90s, early 2000s, she writes another book, does Wendy Kiminer. And this book, listen carefully, it's good for us religious people. She noticed a trend that started occurring from the hard right. An entire movement began to occur where people were saying this now. I'm okay, but the rest of you are screwed up. <laughs> I'm okay, but the rest of you are no way okay. I'm okay, you're messed up. So we got to go to war and fix bad people. We got to hold people accountable. We got to get rid of the evil in the world. We got to go out and punish the evildoer. So Kymener says, you've got, I'm okay, you're okay. That's narcissism. You bunch of narcissists. I'm okay, but you're screwed up. That's moralism. I'm good, you're bad which leads to things like isolation and death camps and genocide and the extermination of people that you think are bad or inferior. What's left? Well, you move from narcissism to moralism to masochism. Masochism is where you say, I'm not okay, but everybody else is. It's a type of fatalism. 
somehow you think that your transparency will save you. Now, I made a note in my Bible here. Don't go too far off the path here. Because every time I said, look, I, I finally watched, and I said to myself, I was not going to do it, but I decided to watch a megachurch exposed Hillsong. I didn't want to watch it because I didn't want to see another documentary that just pokes fun and makes fun of the church. I don't know what led me, but I thought I'd watch it. I was pleasantly surprised that it did not bag the church. It just bagged rock star preachers. And quite frankly, rock star preachers, to a great degree, need to be bagged. So you've got Carl Lentz in New York City, part of the Hillsong Movement. And he's so transparent and all these Hollywood stars and musicians, all of them are, are flocking to him because he has the look, you know, he has the clothing, the hairstyle, he's got it all. And while he's telling everybody how transparent he is and his failures and how he struggles, do you understand that that's not the same thing as repentance? Amen. Repentance is when I tell you that I'm struggling, but I'm really going off this stage to work hard at trying to be a better person. Not to earn salvation, but because I know it's the better way to live. But if I tell you I'm really struggling, and then I go off stage and do the same thing that I tell you you shouldn't be doing, that's not transparency, man. That's called hypocrisy. And so he's sleeping with women he's not married to while he's telling everybody not to sleep with women they're not married to. That don't work. You say, Pastor Jeff, you're sounding a bit self-righteous. No, I got my own issues. But if I walk out of here and don't work on them, I'm not really trying to pursue Christ. What good is being transparent? So you move from narcissism, I'm okay, you're okay, to moralism, I'm okay, but you're messed up, to masochism, oh, you know, the whole world's good, but I'm, I'm just, woe is me, I'm just not doing well. Now, in the 1970s, there was a great pastor, great speaker by the name of John Gershner. In one of his sermons, he referenced this book, I'm Okay, You're Okay, and he asked the question, how does the Bible compare to what people are saying, I'm okay, you're okay? What would the Bible say? And he tells a story about taking his wife to Asia, Kashmir, and they go on a, a little boat excursion, and while they're coming back to shore, they hit another boat by accident. And John Gershner says, the, the little captain, an older gentleman, and his little grandson, he had his grandson with him, just really looked agitated. And so John Gerstner, who's not a captain of any boat, walks up to him and says, it's okay, don't worry, it's just a little bump. You're okay, we're okay, it's all right. They keep going toward the shore. A couple of minutes later, he noticed that the captain is growing more and more agitated. And John Gerstner says, as a pastor, I thought to myself, you know, I'm the intellectual superior here, so let me just calm him down. It's okay. We're okay, you're okay, I'm okay, it's okay. No need to worry. Finally, when they got close to the dock, this little captain shoves his grandson onto the dock and then through the people, John Gerstner, his wife, threw them onto the dock and say, I'm not okay, you're not okay, and the boat sank. <laughs> because there was a hole in the hole that Gerstner had not seen, and it got sucked under immediately. And Gerstner said, that's the message of the Bible. You're not okay, I'm not okay. It's not narcissism. 
I'm okay, you're okay. It's not moralism. I'm okay, you're screwed up. It's not masochism. I'm not okay, but everybody else is. The Bible says we are all sinners. We're all lost, both the prodigal sons and the older brothers, the ones who run away in a distant land and the ones who stay home and depend on their own righteousness to save them. We're all in trouble. We're all alienated from God, those who serve idols and those who use God to get their idols. In one degree, we're all messed up. Now, you got to get this week if you're going to get the beauty of next week. It's the setup. Come on. We're messed up. I mean, even when we do, even when we do good things, a lot of times it's motivated out of the wrong motivation. So in, in Romans 2, again, this great theological passage, Paul tells us why both religious and irreligious people stand condemned. And the answer is because even those of us who are religious, who accept the law of Moses, the law of God, we violate the same law we say we love. Think about the list back in Romans 1. Here's the list that he gave of people who... Do not seek God. There's no one righteous. He says, they have become filled with every kind of wickedness, evil, greed, and depravity. You're not greedy at all? They are full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, and malice. They are gossip, slanders, God-haters, insolent, arrogant, and boastful. Interesting word there, hubris. We'll get to that. They invent ways of doing evil. They disobey their parents. They have no understanding, no fidelity, no fidelity, no love, no mercy. Now, I want you to notice something about the list. These are not behaviors. They're attitudes of the heart. That beautiful word translated insolence, hubris, is arrogance. So Paul is doing simply what Jesus did during the Sermon on the Mount. You and I justify ourselves by our external behaviors, what we do and do not do. But the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus is dealing with the kind of person. He's contrasting the kind of heart you have with the kind of heart you should have. Let me give you one example and I got to move on. In Matthew 5, he says, you've heard that it was said to people long ago, you shall not murder, and anyone who murders will be subject to judgment. But I tell you that anyone who is angry with his brother or sister will be subject to judgment. And again, anyone who says to his brother or sister, raka. Now, somebody says, I don't see how you can tell me that I'm just as bad as the guys who are murdering and in prison. I don't get that. I don't, I don't agree with that, Pastor Jeff. Socially, there is a difference. That's next week's sermon. Spiritually, before the presence of God, there is no difference. Raka, that word actually means that you treat someone as incidental. They don't matter to you. You say, well, how can that be the same as murder? Because murder is a tree from which the acorns grow. Murder begins with hubris. It begins with arrogance and pride where people are dispensable. So the only difference... According to the Sermon on the Mount, between you and the one who murders is that the seed in you has not yet been watered. Put you in the right situation at the right time. Water the seed. Think about it. Guys, do you welcome every human being into your midst, into your life? Do you treat everybody equally? Are you telling me that no matter who comes up to you, you won't admit that some people, when they come to you, you know you can't get anything from them and they can't give you anything. You just kind of keep going. You don't really want to talk to them. But if you meet somebody you think can help you, give you something, you stay. You don't do that? Yeah, sure you do. Do you have equal concern and care for all people? No, you don't. If not, when that seed is watered and fertilized, the attitude of your heart will often produce atrocities you never thought you could do. 
What are you getting at? Well, I'm getting at the commandment of the Lord is talking about someone who cherishes, not just tolerates every person, even the persons who are of no consequence to you, even those who are not okay, you treat as kings and queens. You see, the reason that you and I get lost in all of this is because we, we forget that what God is after primarily is what's in here. And you've got no idea what's in here. That's why we don't judge each other. If you judge each other only by external actions, man, people can fool you. He wants us to be so honest that we never have to swear an oath. Then when we say something, it's dumb. To be so loving that you don't merely refrain from revenge, but you actually forgive people from your heart and you wish them no ill will. You don't have any enemies in your life that you'd like to see something bad happen to? It'd just make your day. So generous that you give and you give without thanks or recognition. Oh, you're a generous person? You give and give and give? So trusting, so trusting in God that even though the circumstances around you change, doesn't impact your faith and trust. You remember a few months ago, I told you the story about a university professor here in America that decided to give her students as a, an assignment to read the Sermon on the Mount and then to write a response paper to it. Most of, the, most of them had never read the Sermon on the Mount. Can you believe that? In America, of course you can. So they read the Sermon on the Mount and they wrote their response papers. And she printed, the typical response went something like this. I did not like the Sermon on the Mount. Nobody can live like that. Hey, at least honesty. No gossip, no envy, no jealousy, no hatred, no apathy. Turn the other cheek, pray for those who persecute you, love your enemies. I don't think so. But then she asked them this question. But is this not the kind of people that you want around you? so loving that they don't resent you or your mistakes or your moods. They're not indifferent to you, so generous that they're always grateful. They're always there when you need them. They forgive you. They're merciful to you. They unconditionally love you. Is that not the kind of person you want? They all said, yeah. And she said, so what you're saying is, and I quote, I am very angry if you hold me to this standard, but on the other hand, I hold everybody else to this standard. Therefore, You are condemned from your own mouth. The law you say, you believe, you violate. See, that's why Paul says in verse 14, look carefully now, we're in the Bible. When Gentiles do not have the law, that is the law of Moses, do by nature things required by the law. Remember what we said? You know what good and evil are, you just suppress it. They are a law for themselves, even though they do not have the law. That is the law of Moses. They show that the requirements of the law are written on their hearts, their consciences also bearing witness, and their thoughts sometimes accusing them and other times defending them. So even those who don't have the law of Moses, those who've never heard of Jesus, those who are not aware of the Ten Commandments, you're judged according to the law you claim. You've been listening to Today with Jeff Vines. Thanks for joining us. Next time, we'll bring you the rest of this message from Pastor Jeff. Why are we listening to the media of political correctness? Why are you you allowing the media to tell you what you can and cannot say, what is politically correct and incorrect? They're not on your side. Start listening to the voice of God, the God of the universe who loves you and wants the very best for you. Stop looking at him as the big bad cosmic boss and the lover of your soul. 
You can listen to more messages like this. Just search for Today with Jeff Vines wherever you get your podcasts. You make me Today. 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 Today with Jeff Fines. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.